Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Welcome to a special RCC Store Bonus 2022 episode of The Voice of Retail podcast. In these Store Bonus episodes, we'll be meeting the keynote speakers that will be joining us to share their insights and wisdom with the Canadian retail industry. We talk about their background, business, and a preview of the knowledge they will be sharing at Canada's most significant in-person retail event of the year. My guest on this episode is Jacqueline Cancan, Senior Director of Sustainability and Social Impact for Toronto-based global beauty brand and retailer Desium. Jacqueline started her career in sustainability, social impact, and DEI over 14 years ago. From the natural resources industry to beauty, she is helping Desium to be the change agent and joins us on day one on the Driving the Sustainability Opportunity panel. Let's listen in now. Jackie, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Good. Thanks for having me. Just uh, dealing with the remnants of a Toronto storm we had last week, which I think everybody is. Well, uh, and you have a very specific perspective on that with your background. Yeah. But okay, so uh, is it, are they just making up names for weather patterns? Because now that what was the name of this weather pattern? Like I'd never heard of such a thing. And now that's all I hear about. Right. It's crazy. Right. Well, I think the the day will when I get a weather pat- pattern named after me, then I'll know I made it big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's always funny. There's that debate on a lot of people have with I think everything. It's do is it that we just hear more things, yeah. right? The news is just more more polarizing and global, or are things actually changing? I think it's obvious where I align to that things are changing with my background. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, okay. I think uh, we're just in a in a time in history where there's just going to be more frequent and extreme, um, just weather. And, uh, you know, I always think of my dad, he's, um, in his seventies and, uh, you know, immigrant to Canada from Ghana. And, you know, when you hit that, that generation who's starting to talk about climate change, <laughs> you know, you've something's made it big. <laughs> yeah. Something's, something's going on. Something's going on. Where yeah. am I finding you in the world today? Where are you based out of? So I, I live in Toronto. Fantastic. All right. Well, yeah. listen, uh, let's jump right in. Tell us a bit about yourself, your uh, your background. Uh, it looks like you've got lots of uh, depth of experience in uh, the subject matter and uh, what you do for a living and, and who you do it for. Yeah. So, um, uh, obviously, Jacqueline Kankam, Senior Director of Sustainability and Social Impact at Desiem. Um, I started off, it's, it's, you know, if you ever heard me talk or read anything I've ever done, I tell the same story where I started off in business and moved from Winnipeg to Toronto and bombed my first year, like absolutely bombed academic probation. Like, it's like, oh my God, there's nightclubs. I can like go out. Why would I go to school? Mm. Um, and then quickly decided to move back to Winnipeg, um, and go to university of Manitoba and like the week, uh, the last week to register, I just couldn't do it. I'm extremely competitive with myself. So I decided to try U of T again and I got into international relations. And because I registered so late, I got into the environment end of international mm. relations and a field that I, to be honest, made fun of. Um, I quickly fell in love with and That's it uh, wasn't easy because at that point, um, uh, my parents were terrified. You know, I, I started university in 2001, so it wasn't what it was now, right? It wasn't where governments have targets, private companies have targets, um, like it's it's everywhere. So it was a little bit of a scary time to go into mm-hmm. the space, um, but I did it much to the disappointment of my family and uh, graduated and decided, um, I lived right by the old Imperial Oil Building at St. Clair and Avenue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, you know, 
you have this time where you're in this field where you can go into nonprofit, you could do the green piece, which I admire people who go that route. But for me, it's like, you know, why not go into an industry that arguably needs the environmental lens the most? And that for me at the time was oil and gas. So um, I moved to Alberta, I moved to Calgary and I worked um, in oil and gas for just under nine years for a variety of companies, um, including spending three years at site doing a fly in fly out. So they fly me up on Mondays, fly me home Thursdays. Mm. And then uh, oil tanked and I just was didn't want to spend my whole career in one um, mm-hmm. area. So moved back to Toronto, did sustainability in buildings. So worked on waste and water um, and then hated that. I have a lot of friends who love building work, but I'm like, it's a building. It doesn't move. It doesn't change. Like it's <laughs> a thing that's around forever. It's not exciting. And I'd always loved to travel. So I went to Air Canada and it was great. Very complex, as you can imagine. Um just by nature of like my old boss used to say like we fly mm-hmm. things rockets into the the, the sky and it just yeah. by nature just really exciting and then COVID hit and um not a great time to be in aviation yeah. so it was looking nobody, for something nobody's new. flying anything yeah. anywhere at that point <laughs> yeah, exactly I, I'll never forget being like oof I I made the dumbest comment when it first hit to <laughs> to um an employee who'd been there for like twenty five years I'm like well at least now we know standby is going to be really easy to get on she's like but we won't have jobs. <laughs> fair, fair. fair. Anyway, it's it's so kind of like, like uh, it's kind of like when the, uh, the old uh, not compliment with retail, you know, you can always get a parking spot at your store. Oh, that's not a good Yeah, idea. exactly. Exactly. I was like very short sighted. I'm like, I'm going to go everywhere. Yeah, lo- yeah. It's going to be so easy to get on a plane. Um, so anyway, I, I left that and I joined Desium and um, it's been just absolutely amazing. Uh, I've been here for just under two years I report into the chief brand officer. And I think even with that, um, having me report into C-suite just shows the company's commitment to really just, you know, one of our, our, our goals is to use our growth to power good. And a lot of brands say that, like you hear that a lot, but we, we really mean it. And it's, it's a pleasure to come to work every day and work for a leadership team and a company that really looks at how they can just try to make the world better. Now, I know of Desium, and, and uh, the listeners will know, probably know uh, something of them. I've had uh, Nicola on the podcast a couple of times, had the pleasure of uh, that kind of big discussion about global movement and, and uh, as a big global firm. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Desium for those who may know it, but may not know enough about it. Give us a scope, yeah. scale, where you operate, what you do for, you know, what the company does kind of thing. What, and what makes it remarkable? Well, we are the best skincare company on the planet. <laughs> um, we're, we uh, are nine years old. Um, we're Canadian. Uh, our uh, CEO sits in the UK as well as uh, my boss. Um, we have stores in you know, North America, uh, some parts of Asia, Australia, and Europe. Um, and, you know, we really started out as this, like, humble beauty brand, Um we're most known for the ordinary. So I'm sure your listeners, as soon as they hear that, will piece it together. Um, but really just came and changed the industry. And I, I always say, I wish I was part of it in the early days because the stories are just remarkable. It was um, our co-founder, Brandon, who's unfortunately no longer with us, and Nicola, mm-hmm. who just really decided that they needed to to break the beauty industry and it should be founded on transparency and access. And I co-chair our DE&I strategy. And one thing I love is that you can get our products for $5 or for $6. And to me, that's even 
speaks to the core of equality, right? And equity. And you don't need to have $300 to get a cream to have, you know, clear skin. And, and if you think about, we say beauty is being human, then it really is. It's, it's, it doesn't rinse off. It's not, we don't sell for people to buy. It's not about you come into our stores and they have these, you know, KPIs to sell a million products. It's mm. really about education. And we've just been founded on the education and the transparency. And we try to carry that through to our sustainability and our social impact strategy, because this is really confusing stuff, right? Like yeah. if, if, if we could figure out climate change and DE&I and how to be a corporate, a good corporate citizen, God, it would just be so much easier, but it, it's, it's not. And we are very, very transparent with our customers about where we are. And we, we were, we said last year, maybe it was this year, we're not a sustainable beauty company. And people were like, what? we're like, Wait, well, we're what? not. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know how to have, you know, a net zero emissions for scope one, two, and three without using offsets. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to not put out a bunch of waste in the environment. And yes, we have in-store recycling, but the beauty industry is responsible for billions, billions of waste um, that sits in landfills. And until we can look at our, our customers and our, our de- internal Decium family, our employees and say like, Hey, we have a roadmap and we're kind of there. We still have some things we don't know. Then we're not comfortable saying we're a sustainable beauty co- company and we are very transparent and we might never get there. Hmm. Well, let's talk about your role. Uh, you know, the full title and tell me if this is, if I got this right, senior director of sustainability and social impact. So that's a big remit, right? There's a lot packed yeah. into that, particularly for a company like Decium whose really mandate is very focused on on their contribution or their impact. So talk about, you know, when you first take a, a gig like this on, what's, you know, what are the KPIs? You know, how do you how do you measure yourself? What where do you start the journey in assessing and then where do you point the ship towards, so to speak, to a point of a point of arrival? Just give us a sense of of, of how you approach your job, really, your tradecraft. Well, it's funny. If you would have talked to me my first week, I would have been like, I don't know. So my first (laughs) week, I called my old, uh, one of my mentors and was like, uh, and and I think it was just, you know, I tell my team, we were the most beautiful times and one of the most beautiful times of your career, because we have such a strong leadership team. That's like, you guys are the experts. We trust you that Mm -hmm. with great, you know, with that responsibility, your mind can just, just go anywhere. And it's, it's just such a beautiful time at the company uh, for that. So the first thing I like to give the old analogy is you, you, you can't change what you don't know. So the first thing we did, I would say like was weigh ourselves as many people did after COVID um, and realize they weighed Mm -hmm. a bit more than they wanted. So the first thing we did was really like, look at our actual impact. Like we didn't know how much we were contributing emissions wise or water wise or waste wise. Like how could you even start to make any targets or impact change? So from a sustainability point of view, it was really figuring out how much we impact everything and then looking at how do we mitigate that. And we're really lucky in that we manufacture ourselves in-house. So we like have mm-hmm. an end-to-end process. Um, and like I said, we have such a great leadership team that's fully supportive. Like we'll get emails from staff. It's like, you know, we want to change the tape from this tape to this tape on our boxes will affect recyclability. And that sounds really, really like small and not important. But to me, it speaks to the mindset of a company that people are thinking like, oh, we want to make this change. Let's just pulse check to make sure that we're not, uh, it's not impeding any sort of sustainability goals. Um, 
So from the sustainability side, that's kind of where we started. And then from social impact, we've always been about using our growth to power good, but we didn't really have like a systematic, I'd say, like Mm. what causes do we support? How much do we support? So um, one of the first things um, that started when my role started was the good fund. So it was about just doing good and showing up for, you know, whether it's Ukraine or Afghanistan or um, the typhoon in Philippines or, you know, what ensuring that we we not only stood behind causes, not just financially, but, you know, can we we have a large social media platform? Can we lend our name to help bring awareness to a cause? And mm. how do we that, that could be a challenge? Just, it could be a challenge, right, as, as a brand, because you want to help everybody. Because exactly. a particular brand like yours, which is very inclusive, you've got a very broad swath of the population who who loves your product. But but then you've got to kind of, to, I guess, to have, tell me if, if, if this resonates, to have real impact, you got to kind of choose a few, which means saying no to some, but then really focus. Is that kind of your approach or talk about that for a few seconds? Yeah, I think we, we're really lucky in that we haven't really had to say no often. For us, I think it's more figuring out like we, we, we started off pretty grassroots, right? Like we were startup a disruptor. So one thing we're really passionate about is not just when, when we're supporting a cause, not just picking the like big, you know, charity or the big organization, sure. really finding that small grassroots, like, Hey, someone and their cousin started this and they're really in the community making a change versus always going big and global. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite charities is um, that we supported was beauty to the streets. And they're this, um, in LA, um, there's a lot of, um, people experiencing homeless shelter or sorry, homelessness. So you can imagine large homeless. I mean, if you've been to LA, I think no one would be surprised homeless camps and they just mm-hmm. go in and they beautify people and they like help people mm-hmm. wash their hair and put on makeup. And it sounds so simple, but for somebody experiencing homelessness, that's a really big deal. And that might not be, you know, if you, you know, do a Google, like the top 10 charity in LA, but they're just doing great grassroots work, um, which speaks to you know, how Desium started and who we want to be. So I'd say our, uh, the, the struggle is finding those, I wouldn't even say struggle. I'd say what we, we try to do is find mm-hmm. those grassroots organizations on the ground as much as, you know, sometimes if there's like Ukraine happens, you're like, Hey, we need to like get money there. Let's let's go to the red cross. Um, But really trying to make sure Mm. even within our giving that we're focused on transparency and education and um, making a real impact. Well, you're on uh, your upcoming, you're on the main stage upcoming uh, very soon at store 2022, 2022 day one. Uh, you got a great panel driving the sustainability opportunity. Great panelists. Talk a little bit. Uh, last question about what you'll be talking about on that panel. What's that panel all about? Yeah, I don't want to give too much of a preview, but um, one thing, and you kind of alluded to it with my roles. One thing I'm really lucky is that um, we're not. I'm I'm not siloed, so I get to look after the sustainability and the DE and I co chair. Um, and then the social impact. So it's really about like how we've been able to take a really holistic view to all of our, our strategies. You know, uh, traditionally you have one person who does each and then, you know, maybe like once or twice a year they'll get together and say, oh, we're doing, oh, you're working on this. But with us, even for our renewable energy strategy, because it's all under one umbrella, we've been able to take it from an employee perspective to like, supporting indigenous communities with their renewable energy transition and then Desium itself using renewable energy 
and renewable energy credits, which is we're just really lucky that because we have this holistic approach, we're able to do everything. So we want to talk a bit about that. Um, and then really how, you know, we just, like I said, try to use our growth to power good. Like one of my mm-hmm. favorite, favorite stories, one of our sales directors in Europe, we were talking and she's like, you know, I tell my team we need to sell more so Jackie's team can use the the sales to power more good. Huh. And I like, what else could you ask for? Wow. Right. If that's, wow. if right. that's right. like, exactly. It's funny because she said it in passing and I've said to her, mm. every time we talk, I'm like, I still think about that. She's like, but you know, I'm like, but no, like that mm-hmm. in itself, like for someone in, you know, my type of role is a dream because that's the way a leader is looking at it and talking about it to her team. And that doesn't happen often. Well, that's it's culture, right? It, now you're talking exactly culture, right? You, exactly. Which is kind of, a, I, I'm sure it's one point of arrival of many for folks who do what you do is, is how does it permeate the culture? And because you're, you're one individual, very talented, but you can understand exactly. so much, right? The exactly. rest of the organization uh, needs, needs to transform. Well, listen, uh, very exciting. You're at uh, three o'clock, three fifteen on the main stage, day one. Uh, what a great, uh, a great preview. And, and Jackie, thanks so much for joining me on the voice of retail podcast. It was a real treat having you on and I look forward to uh, seeing you in person and wish you continued success in everything you do. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties, The Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next Podcast, and The Food Professor Podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone. Music